You're listening to the Pigskin Cafe, a podcast covering the wild world of college football. On tap for today are hot takes, controversy, and analysis on your favorite team. Pull up a seat and your host, Hampton Sipper, will be with you in three, two, one. And we are back. Welcome back into the Pigskin Cafe. My name is Hampton Sipper, and I'll be your host this evening. And I am glad to be joined by my good friends, the correspondent at large himself, Graham Haney, and Big Papa Shep. Auburn Shepard is here with me. Guys, are we ready to recap what was a thrilling week one of the college football season 2021? Absolutely. So glad that football is back. I mean, it just feels good. Like it's just a different time of year in that right ship, dude. That's right. Football's back. Those are the only words that we need to say for the rest of the year. Yeah. It, hey, it's a good cure for anything, man. I, you know, it's been it's always a good time of year with fall and the season changing. But there's just something about weekends with waking up with college game day on your TV and knowing from about 11 a.m. to 11 p.m. you're going to have football on the tube. And I can't wait to recap what – I mean, I know last year was different, and I know it wasn't what I would say the full college college football experience. This was one of the best week ones I think we've had in quite a while. I mean, I – there were many really good games. There were a couple upsets – during the weekend. I can't wait to recap all of those with you guys. But before we do that, let me get a quick word out to our sponsors. We've got Play Action Pools, who we're you know partnering with to do a college pick'em, college and NFL. So now this week, uh, you know, in addition to picking college games, we're gonna have to pick some NFL games. I'm glad I remembered that because I about forgot I about forgot that we were doing that. Um but you know they're they've got a great interface, great dashboard and I want to give a little update on how our competition is going. So tied, we got a three-way tie at first place, and I love him like a brother, but I can't believe this man is sitting atop of the polls. Tyler Big Kleck is sitting at number one with 29 points, tied with Chase Haney, um, the, um, the Reddit extraordinaire himself, uh, who will be on our NFL show later this week. And then the J-Boy show is tied at first place with uh, 29 points. So um, impressive work by them. And then right behind them in the second spot is Logan Farabee and Cole McDowell. Uh, so we got a lot of competition. It's early. A lot can change. Uh, but we just – I think every week we're going to try to provide an update as to those standings. And, you know, it's not too late to join. Feel free to – um, hop on board and you know get get with us before the season gets uh, really really kicked in. And then I want to uh, give a shout out to our guy Graham Kersher, who has his own vintage um, thrift shopping brand Grams. Um, you can find vintage streetwear um, stuff to add to your wardrobe to kind of add a sense of fashion and style. You can follow him on Instagram at Grams underscore. Um, I, well, I think it's underscore, either underscore at the beginning or underscore at the at the end. And then uh, visit his website, shopgrams.com. Be sure to support him. Um, great friend of the pod, and we wish him um, all the success in the world. But now it's time to get to the nitty-gritty, guys. 
So we're going to change it up a little bit this year. Last year, we did a thing where we would break down each and every game and spend about 10 to 15 minutes talking about that particular game. This year, I think what we're going to do is just talk about some overarching storylines, and then if we want to dive deeper into them, uh, we can. So I'm going to start off and give a few of my biggest takeaways, storylines from week one of the 2021 college football year. So I've got to start with Alabama. Alabama is back and better than ever, and it looks like they played Ohio State, took a week off, and then played another game against Miami. Uh, the tie didn't look like they missed a beat. Bryce Young, I told y'all last week there was no need to fear because he was going to show out, and boy, did he. Uh, I think he was 27 of 38 for 344 yards and four touchdowns in his debut. That is a record for Alabama quarterbacks, breaking Mac Jones' record and Tua Tungavailoa's record, two first-round picks. So what a great start for Bryce. Uh, I think he was kind of the headliner of the game, and I'm going to give a few other shout-outs. You got Jamison Williams, who um, had four catches for 126 yards and a 94-yard touchdown, really showing off that vintage speed that we kind of talked about last week. Uh, John Mechie had a really good game. Cam Latu, uh, his first two catches went for touchdowns. I thought he looked very impressive as a run blocker and as a pass catcher. And, you know, Big Papa Saban was over on the sideline giving Jaleel Billingsley a message, trying to encourage him, you know, to do the right things and pay attention to detail and trust the process. Because I'm telling you right now, guys, if Jaleel gets out there and you compare him and Latu together, you talk about uh, matchup nightmare. Those two are going to be quite the duo if uh, Jaleel can get his get out of the doghouse. But I thought the offense was really impressive, especially in Bryce's first start. The defenses, though, you know, we talked all offseason about how they were going to be an improved unit. And I think you kind of saw that on Saturday. They were flying around Henry Toa Toa, uh, anchoring that middle. Um, about threw his shoulder out going 19 miles an hour, cleaning up a play on the sideline. Christian Harris looked good. Brian Branch really stood out, making a couple physical plays, especially um, on screen passes out of the boundary. Uh, but that man, Will Anderson, woo, um, he might by the end of the year be the best player in college football. He's that talented, uh, and it looks like to come complement his ability to rush the passer that you know that he had and he showcased last year his uh ability to defend the run has drastically improved making him a more well-rounded player and he's just a demon uh you can't you can't single block him you had to account um uh, account for him and put two guys on him and even then it's not enough um and i think he he's a guy that wrecks your game plan i can't you know i could go on and on about will anderson the only negative that i i saw really uh, Chris Allen uh, going out for the year. I hate it for the young man. Uh, the team, I mean, it hurts the team, obviously, when you lose that caliber of a player. Uh, but Alabama has plenty of depth at that outside linebacker position with Drew Sanders, Chris Braswell, and a freshman Dallas Turner, who I think will get some run. So great opening win for Alabama. They're one of my takeaways for this for this week. Another one of my takeaways. Graham, you and I talked about them last week, and, man, I was grinning ear to ear when they were out there putting on a show on Saturday. 
And granted, it was Louisiana Monroe, but Kentucky, man, old Kentucky and Will Levis, that looked like a completely different ball team than we've seen under Mark Stoops. And what I mean by that is not only could they run the ball pretty effectively, Will Levis threw for 367 yards, which I believe is the most passing yards they've had in a game since 2007 with Andre Woodson. 15 year, 14 years ago. Um, unbelievable job by them. Wandell Robinson, I can't believe that I forgot to mention him. The transfer from Nebraska in last week's show, uh, but he's an electric playmaker, downfield threat that's really going to be um, a matchup problem for opposing defenses. And I think, you know, Graham, you and I talked about it, that, uh, you know, that added element of the vertical passing game to complement the running game and as well coached as Kentucky is, watch out. They're coming for that number two spot in the East, especially with how Florida and Emory Jones look to me against FAU. Third storyline I want to um, bring up, Georgia-Clemson. I know I think uh, I'm just going to briefly touch on this one because I bet um, the guys are going to have some things to say on this game. But you talk about a throwback game, 10-3, to no offensive touchdown scored. Uh, the only touchdown score in the game was a pick six uh, that DJ Uyunglele stared down the whole way and telegraphed his throw. And the guy went off and uh, took it to the house. Um, I think defense was the name of the game. Um, Georgia's defense looked, uh, I mean, they were flying around. They rotate, you know, they rotate a lot of guys. They have um, that recruiting has paid off when guys like N'Kobe Dean, Adam Anderson, Nolan Smith, uh, the big guy in the middle, Jordan Davis, who was an athletic freak. Uh, I, Georgia was really impressive on defense. Now the offense, not only in the execution, but the play calling, left a lot to be desired for me. And I think that's something, if they're going to compete down the road for, you know, an SEC championship or a national championship, that is something that is going to have to improve, uh, especially, I mean – it was just – it was good defense in that game, but there was a lot of just bad play calling, bad quarterback play. Um, so a little mix of both. But nonetheless, impressive win by Georgia to go on. You know, it wasn't on the road. It was at a neutral site, but it was definitely in Clemson's backyard. So impressive win by them. And then finally, last week I lied to our viewers. I said, you know, there's not really a coach – who I would say is on the hot seat this year. Well, that Baton Rouge hot seat with Coach Gumbo down there in Baton Rouge turned that hot seat up. The buns are getting toasty, and Edward Orgeron is on the hot seat if he does not improve things drastically and quickly down there in Baton Rouge as they went out west. And not only did they get thumped by UCLA by you know a margin of 11, they were physically dominated in that game. UCLA ran the ball all over them. Uh, they couldn't protect Max Johnson. Uh, I was just, you know, I, I think I mentioned last week that I wouldn't be surprised if UCLA won the game, but I was shocked that they dom—I mean, they really dominated in the way that they did. And uh, I think LSU's got a lot of things to fix that they want to um, – have a you know a good season and finish a respectable um, way in the SEC West, but 
they got a lot of fits down there. And, you know, the last thing I'll say about LSU before I kick it over to Shep to see his main takeaways from week one, I'm so tired of hearing about all pro, the best corner since Deion Sanders, Derek Stingley, who has rested on his laurels, his freshman season laurels for the past year and a game now. He, I'm sorry, he is not the player that everybody is saying that he is. Now, he's a really good corner, but, I mean, there are times that he just looks disinterested and that he doesn't care, and he's not um, – he's just not living up to that freshman season that he had. So, a lot to fix down in Baton Rouge, and if it doesn't get fixed quickly, they're going to be looking for a new coach at the end of the year in Red Stick. Shep, I know I, uh, I talked a lot and brought up a couple – you know, four storylines – that I kind of took away from this week. What what what'd you kind of glean um, from the college football weekend uh, week one? Um, the the biggest thing I took away um, is really the the question of is Clemson that bad or is Georgia that good? Um, and really just watching that, it was like, okay, is is Clemson offense just really bad this year? Because obviously they're replacing. Um, their quarterback, running back, and arguably their top receiver. Um, but it, that game really just, like, baffled me because, I mean, Georgia, they couldn't even really – their offense was was really struggling. And their defense was, I mean, quite literally almost pitching a shutout. Um, so that was the biggest shocker to me of the week. And then um, I have two more shockers. So the second one – um, I know Tennessee was playing Bowling Green, but to really see Tennessee actually put some points on the board, I mean, they won 38-6. to six, um, But, I mean, they actually look like a team that has somewhat of a hope within their program. I mean, really the last few years with Jeremy Pruitt was a struggle. Um, they had uh, – Tennessee has um, the Mil- right Milton guy, um, the transfer from Michigan. Um, yeah, he-, he looked pretty good. Um, he was I, like I mean, look, a twenty-three. Hey, he looked better he than looked, he did at Michigan, so I'll give him that. He did look better than he than he was at Michigan. Then I well, obviously they can't keep a quarterback. <laughs> um, and then lastly, the the final play is, dude, is Mississippi State that bad? I mean, goodness gracious, Mississippi State and LA Tech. I mean, how how do you have an eight offense? And you can't even score three points in two quarters. I mean, you throw the ball 47 times, can't score all four quarters. That just that just baffled me. So, really, uh, you, you say Ed's on the hot seat, but I'm just wondering how long it's going to take um, for Mississippi State to uh, take a look at um, – what's his name? Gosh. Mike, Mike Leach. Leach. Take a look at Mike Leach. Um Graham, I know you're a fan of the grade, um, but what's your takeaways from week one? Yeah, I'm going to start off in Mississippi State, too. I mean, you got to at least give a little bit of credit. At least they came back and won the game. (laughs) I mean, was it a good performance? No, but at least they came back and won. But, man, you look at the game of the week, in my opinion, the Vanderbilt Commodores. Clark Clark Lee's first game as head coach of Vanderbilt. And what did they do? I mean, why did they yeah, show up? Like, why did they even come and play? East Tennessee State absolutely mopped the floor with them. It was wow. I, 
there's no talk about a, he doesn't even have a seat. Like, they should fire him immediately. You don't, <laughs> you don't get you don't get you don't even have a seat. <laughs> you have to stand. Yeah, he gotta, something's got to change. I mean, you, you got beat by twenty <laughs> points by an FCS team. Nothing. I'm not you know trying to diss East Tennessee State at all. But Vanderbilt is an SEC team, regardless of how good they are. They should at least go to (laughs) double digits, maybe. I mean, all they did was kick a field goal. And it came in the first quarter, bro. At least they did that, Graham. Give them some credit. I'm not giving them – they don't deserve any credit. They don't deserve nothing. (laughs) I agree. I mean – can you relegate somebody? Like I, I'm, I'm for that. Can we just get Vanderbilt out of the football part of the SEC? Like, it, how about, how about this? How about if whoever beats Vanderbilt gets to join the SEC at least for the football part? So I, <laughs> let's just take in East Tennessee State. So we're going to take twelve opponents because they're going to lose every dang game that they that, play. <laughs> that is perfectly fine with me. And the winner of those can play, you know, Missouri or you know, you know, South Carolina and see who can really not be the very bottom. Yeah. Anyway, that was te- that was terrible. But uh, going back to the, the good weeks, the good games of the week, um, man, I was I was really impressed, Hampton, like we talked about, with Kentucky's offense. Uh, you know, last few years, Kentucky has been able to run the football, plays really good defense to you, – you really keep it close and just, you know, grind the game out. And in the fourth quarter, that's when – you're going to be tired, and they're not going to be. But you, you saw the the offensive performance by Kentucky and and Will Levis. They were throwing the football, which was shocking. It it was it made my heart feel good knowing that not only that we were right, but that Kentucky can do more than just one thing and be mm-hmm. pretty decent at it. You know, I, we talked about Will Levis a lot, but. You got to give credit to the you know Mark Stoops and the you know, offensive coordinator hired, and uh, Liam Cohen. Cohen, yeah, yeah. I, he was. I know they're playing you know ULM, but at least he was drawing up you know open plays for receivers you know fairly often, and so uh, that that's encouraging. He came from the Rams. He was the like assistant QB coach or something like that, working with Sean McVay, which is you know a, a pretty good offense you know in its own right. But man, it was it was just good to see. We they started off kind of rough first drive. You know, Levis throws an interception. You know, wasn't really on time with the throw, and ULM scores a touchdown off. You know, not off the pick, but you know, on that drive with the short field. But besides that, you really have to be impressed with with Kentucky's performance. And then you know, Alabama. I, I mean, we just we're coming to expect this out of Alabama to score a lot of points. And to not let the opponent score hardly any, and we know there was some trash talk going on um, from the hurricane side before the game, and they weren't ready for it. I mean, it they they weren't ready for it at all. And it was that, apparent early. <laughs> I, I mean, if you're gonna talk the talk, you at least gotta step up to the plate. I mean, it was they they had no walk at all. It was yeah, it it was ugly quick, <clears throat> and then. You know, the last thing, well, two more things. Auburn, encouraging to see them actually not play down to an opponent for the first time in, you know, 10 years. Playing Akron, really bad. But, you know, it, it it's encouraging for Auburn fans to at least know that, you know, they're not going to beat Akron 17 to 10 or 20 to yeah. 10. That it, it was truly, you know, Auburn showed they were a complete different level. And then LSU, 
my oh my mm. I, I mean last year I, I don't know if y'all remember this last year every lsu loss was bo pelini needs to go bo yep. pelini's a disaster bo pelini Skate can't go. stop anything well let me tell you this lsu fans bo pelini was not the problem he may nope. have been a problem but he was not the problem the problem is defense as a whole U- ucla had two guys that one guy ran for over 100 yards, one running back. I think it was, you know, Charbonnet. He ran for, yeah, he what? ran for 117. 117. On 11, on 11 carries, averaging 10.6 a carry. Yep. And Britton Brown did went for 96, 96 on like, 17 carries. Yeah. You almost have two guys run for 100 yards on you in 2021. And you expect to win? I mean, you're not playing Georgia Tech, but that's all they do. You know, you you got to give a little bit of credit to UCLA. I, I think at the beginning of the week, you know, in our last show, we were kind of given not excuses, but reasons why LSU would lose. Well, maybe they're distracted. Maybe this, maybe that. And, and, by, the, and, by, and by the game, if you watched it, you can easily convince me that UCLA was by far the better team on both sides of the ball. I mean, Dorian Thompson Robinson, you know, hasn't had, you know, as good of the first few years in LA as people thought he would, but he really has, he really has played well in the first two games. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially if you're throwing, you know, over a hundred yards to a tight end. I mean, that's just, that's pathetic for LSU's defense. And, you know, like I said, they, they want to, they wanted to blame it on Bo Pelini last year, but he's not the problem. Well, and I mean, like you said, yeah. Hampton, Coach O, he might have to go. What you got for me? Let's be honest. Ooh. Let's be honest. Oh, I got to jump go on Hampton. I'm sorry. Let's be honest. The only way Ed O keeps his job past this week is if his son throws the game. <laughs> because his son's that's the right. quarterback for McNeese State, and that's who they play this week. <laughs> and that's the only way he keeps his job this week. Because if they lose to them, there's going to be trouble in the bayou. They're, <laughs> they're not losing. To, I don't think they're going to lose to McNeese State. No, but I do. I I want to dive a little deeper into the problems on this team. Okay, so we talked about the, their run defense and allowing basically two 100-yard rushers um, to UCLA. Guys, they only ran. They ran for 49 yards on 25 attempts, averaging two yards a carry. This is LSU on a Pac-12 defense. Are you kidding me? 50, 50 yards. And not only, I mean, Max Johnson dropped back the pass 46 times, completed it 26 times, so he was about close to 50%. But that offensive line was just, I mean, it was like the border policy, just letting everybody through. Come on. You take a hit of the quarterback. You take a hit of the quarterback. Um, they couldn't get anything going in the run game. Um, they couldn't protect, you know. They, like I said, they couldn't protect Johnson, and then, def- you know, defensively they just looked lost. And at some point, with the way that LSU recruits, I mean, it's not like their their recruiting has gone from like, oh, they're recruiting top five to now they're recruiting top twenty. They've consistently hovered in that top ten to top five range. There's no excuse for that product on the field that we saw on Saturday and for the majority of last year. And so at some point you have to ask yourself, is Ed Orgeron Gene Chizik with less character? And I mean, I've Ooh. said this, I said this last year, but I mean it. 
What has he done without Joe Burrow? What has he done without him? Or better yet, what has he done without Joe Brady and Dave Aranda? I get, think Dave Aranda is ooh, the key. Ooh. Get rid, get rid of Joe, get rid of O, and bring back Joe. Both of them. That's all. That's their only chance. Only chance. But the thing, what's hilarious is Ed O did not like Dave Aranda. Like he wanted Dave Ronda gone, and then last year he's bragging about how much better the defense was going to be because Dave Ronda was going and they have no planning and they gonna fix everything down there and buy you. Like what in the world? Like what are you doing? And then before the game, you know, against UCLA, he's walking to the tunnel and telling a fan to get his butt down there and he'll whip him his sissy blue shirt. <laughs> I mean. And then he has the audacity to say that and then go in the locker room and wear purple. You kidding me? Like, it's just so many. So Whoa, many now issues. we don't have to jank the color purple now, Hampton. That was a character shot there. Well, I love the color purple. I don't care. But don't tell someone that's wearing baby blue, it's sissy blue, and then you go put on purple. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. I ain't, hey, I don't discriminate baby blue, pink, purple. I don't care. But. With the talent that they have, there's no excuse for this. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put, you know, press the red button and that their season's done. You know, a lot can happen. It can turn around in a hurry. But it's not looking good for them in the SEC West. It's not looking good, but it also makes me think that there's a little bit of a culture problem, a little bit of a buy-in problem. And I'm telling you this right now, you haven't heard a lick about LSU caring about sexual assault allegations. But if Edo starts to go downhill, you are going to hear about them because that's going to be their way out to fire him with cause and I have to pay that 20 to $27 million buyout. You, you watch what I'm saying. I hate to go there, but that's true. Well, Hampton, you know, I, I know that the last time LSU was looking for, you know, a guy to replace a head coach whenever they got rid of Les Miles, they, they were going after um, a guy named Herman. You Tom know, uh, Herman. Tom Herman. And yep. I think I think he's available now. So, I mean, either way, <laughs> I mean, Tom Herman or Ed O, I mean, it really did work out well for him. Well, I think here's a name that um, I'll give credit to the guys in my group um, group message um, Bama fans, the um, so one of them mentioned Billy Napier. Okay, Ooh. Billy Napier's in the state of Louisiana. He's done a really Man. good job with that program. You know, I mean, I don't think you're going to get you ain't going to get Jimbo to go from A and M to LSU. Can you pay guy, Joe Brady enough? I mean, I think that's. I don't think Joe. I think Joe Brady wants to be NFL. I don't mm-hmm. think he wants to deal with the recruiting or anything yeah. like that. I think. His site is set on an NFL head coaching job. I don't I don't think if they gave him the entire state of Louisiana, he'd come back to college. Um, what about uh, but, Hugh Freeze? Do you think that could be a name? Uh, or you, you think the SEC is done with him? I don't think the SEC is done with him, but it would kind of be not the best look if you fired someone for sexual um, right. allegations like cover-up and then bring in Hugh Freeze who has a little bit of a – Checkered, I mean, checkered past. Um, I don't think that would be the best look, but it is LSU. I wouldn't be surprised. Now, as a football fan, absolutely, he'd be a good hire. Now, I read an article today, actually, that um, mentioned two names. And one you mentioned, who was uh, Jimbo Fisher, which 
I don't think there's any way he's getting out of that at A&M, and he'd be honestly stupid to leave there because he's been pretty mediocre there. And, and he just I mean, signed an extension. Paid. I mean, even yes, more. Yes, he did. Ten-year, 90 mil. The other name was Gus Malzahn. That was the name in the article that uh, this guy wrote. And I was like, I started thinking about it, and I was like, well, I mean, it kind of makes sense because he was – I mean, he was a very average SEC coach. I'd say above average. Oh, yeah, above average. Yeah, I mean, he knew how to recruit. Um, granted, there was some injuries at times. Um, but, I mean, that was an interesting name that I thought of, especially after watching UCF on um, last week. I was like, Thursday, okay, maybe yeah. – Yeah, I was thinking, like, maybe he's found kind of his place in the – in the group of five at the top, but who knows? Maybe he jumps back into the power five. Yeah, that's could not be. a bad that's not a bad thought at all. Go ahead, Graham. Yeah, it could be. I, I'll tell you the perfect guy for this job. I mean, you just look at LSU just being in shambles, and they just need a guy that can come in there and get them six wins every year. What about a guy like Will Muschamp? I mean, just oh my give, give him two years and just let's just go six and six twice, and then be able to get that much better of a coach. I mean, that seems like the guy. That seems You're like the better guy. off hiring the Vanderbilt coach. <laughs> hey, or, or no man. coach. Hey, no coach at all. Uh, you know what? Hey. Go get Deion Sanders and like just at least hey, let it. Be I like exciting. that actually. Yeah, yeah. I think, man. I think it's only a matter of time before somebody gets prime a shot. Yep. Yeah, that's not a bad thought. Well, mm-hmm. um, let's transition a little bit off of this because we. I, I could. I could poke fun at LSU all day. What you know, we talked about um, Alabama a little bit. I want to ask y'all real quick: What impressed you most about the debut of Bryce Young? Like, what traits, what characteristics really popped to you off the television screen this past Saturday? Yeah, I don't mind going first. I, what I was excited to see from Bryce Young knew he was a guy that had a great arm. But I was afraid he was going to scramble too much, that he was going to try and make too many plays with his feet being his first game and just you know, just trying to get away. He really did a great job, in my opinion, stayed in the pocket as long as he could. And whenever he scrambled, he was still looking for guys down the field. He wasn't looking to take off with his feet. I mean, the, the confidence and composure that Bryce Young showed, you know, I guess for you know, I guess he's technically still a freshman, but really a sophomore. Yeah. But regardless, yeah. the first time he starts a game and you know a big venue in Mercedes Benz against you know a, a ranked Miami team, I, I I was very impressed with you know how he wasn't all he wasn't too in a rush to just take off and run with it. He was willing to you know scramble a little bit, look for guys down the field, and he was able to make the open throws. And so I was really impressed by that. Shep, what are you? What are your thoughts on uh, Bryce Young replacing your favorite guy in history, McCorkle Jones? Well, I'm just saying he hasn't surpassed McCorkle Jones, um, and I want the record to be clear with that. Um, he is a very, very good quarterback, as we saw this week. Um, very twitchy, very athletic, strong arm, um, very quick throwing motion, which was good. Um, great vision. I will say I, I haven't been as high on Bryce Young. I do think know. he has he I do think he has the possibility to be even better than Mac at some point. Uh, I'm not gonna say this year, um, just because I love Mac Jones, Mac Daddy. You're my guy. If you if you follow the podcast, hit us up. Um, but I, I just think he is really athletic. He's really good. Um, now later on in the year, 
Um, it could be a little little testy with him scrambling out of the pocket, getting hit a couple times, um, and even just playing against maybe some bigger defensive linemen, um, which credit to him. He played a great game, um, not taking that away from him. But I will say the U isn't the U of the old, and Miami looked like they didn't even know how to tackle a dummy out there. Um, but granted, he looked very good. Um, Hampton, I know he's your Heisman hopeful. Um, so I won't take that away from you just yet. Um, but there is hope for Bryce Young to win the Heisman, I guess. Yeah, he's the uh, the Vegas favorite now after that week one performance. And now I'm I'm with you, Shep. I'm not gonna I try to be like I get excited by I try to be measured in my excitement. I'm not gonna declare him he ain't better than Mac Jones. He's not better than Tua right now. Uh I don't I don't think that. Now, I where I differ is I think now if he if he goes out this year and he wins the Heisman and he wins the national championship in his first year starting, he has surpassed Mac in my opinion uh, because that's something Mac didn't do. And I think, but he, you don't think he passed? Would he would he pass Tua? Yeah. Uh huh. Okay. Yeah. So are you saying are you saying Tua then Mac or Mac then Tua? Just just question. I'm not going to debate. Um, I'd say two over Mac. Now I, okay. I've always content. I've always contended Mac had the best season at Alabama, but I think as a in the entirety of his career and just I guess who wowed me more, Tua wowed me more. But I I I will say this: Bryce has the ability and the capability to be better than both of them because I think he's more talented than I, I, I even think that. he's more talented than Tua. Because of Graham, you mentioned his ability uh, to scramble. And I think what I love is, and Chase and I talked about this, you know, during the game, he doesn't look to scramble just to kind of get a few yards. He looks to scramble to open up mm-hmm. ability in the passing game, which I really like. And I think, you know, you mentioned. And he's not the fastest, but he's got really quick feet. He's very twitchy, which I really like. But my main – the thing that blew me away the most is how poised he was. He was ne- – he never panicked. Mm-hmm. Even when they were blitzing, even when there was chaos around him in the pocket, he was just cool and calm. Um, and even, like, I, I think Mac and Tua have excellent pocket presence. But even them at times, they can get a little bit of that – a little bit of happy feet, a little bit of that double hitch in their – you know, in trying to throw the ball – I didn't see that from Bryce. Bryce was, I mean, he was just so poised. Nothing rattled him. Um, and combine that with his ability to throw on the run, which is on another level than, I, I mean, I thought Tua could really throw the ball well on the run, but I think Bryce is on a different level. Um, I think he's a special player. And what's scary is he's, as the team continues to grow with the receivers emerging, the offensive line cohesion, you know, and that gelling together, he's only going to get better. And I think uh, a bright season is ahead of him. And, you know, before we kind of move on to players of the week, we talked about his poise in the pocket and how he didn't get panicked. Well, someone who did to me was DJ Uyunglele from Clemson. Because, guys, he looked scared half to death. Um Every time – I mean, Georgia ran that A-gap pressure 
so many times and he never adjusted to it. Even when, um, when they were doing that, when they were doing just a three man rush, he would almost go into the sack. He was very indecisive. Um, he just looked very rattled on Saturday. And I want to, you know, this is kind of an overarching conversation um, that I just want to get your quick thoughts on with the loss at Georgia in which, you know, we talked about last week, they don't play Notre Dame. They don't play Miami and they don't play North Carolina in the regular season with that loss. Does Clemson even have an ability to put together a resume that's going to be worthy of them getting in the college football playoff? And on top of that, I've solved some chinks in the armor where I don't even know if they'll win out because of the problems I saw with their offensive line, their receivers, or uh, their inability to create separation because they're all big, taller guys instead of you know route runners who can who can gain separation from a defender, which makes it easier on the quarterback. Shep, what are your thoughts on all that? Man. I, I watched, I'll be honest, I only caught the second half of that game, but it was really all I needed to see. Um, and our, as our good friend Kyle likes to always say, uh, he looked like a true Sam Darnold, DJ did. Uh, he looked like he was seeing, he really looked like he was seeing ghosts. I mean, it was honestly so weird to see how well he played last year uh-huh. and then see him struggle that bad. Um, was really surprising, and I don't know if it was, like, first-game jitters this year or what. Like, I don't know if Fansville got in his head with him being sponsored by Dr. Pepper <laughs> or what, but it was honestly sad to see Clemson look like that with the powerhouse that they've been the last few years. Um, but I don't think – I mean, I know they have a cupcake schedule moving forward, but I just – I don't think they have enough, even if they went out, to be considered for that with the I don't care if DJ comes out and looks like a superstar. Um, and I understand Georgia is a, a probably in reality a top two team in the country. Um, but I just don't really see Clemson really being in it. I mean, I know that's crazy to say. I know Davo would love to hear us and fuss at us for – not believing in his team and yada, not believing yada, in little old Clemson. Nobody yeah, believes I mean, in us, little old Clemson. Yeah, the, the poor recruits they have to get, the poor five stars that have to go to Clemson. I mean, what a but like, it just looks like it. I mean, I understand you're trying to replace like arguably your best running back, one of the one of your probably top five running backs in Clemson history with Travis Etienne. But, I mean, they just couldn't get anything going. So, I don't think they really have a, a good shot, especially – I mean, they play Florida State later in the year. And if Florida State looks anything like they did against Notre Dame, Clemson mm-hmm. might be in for a rude awakening. Um, so, that's my take. I don't, I don't think they're really going to be in. Graham, what do you think? Are they going to be teetering the whole season or you think they're going to they're gonna push forward to the playoff? Uh, by the looks of to be, I don't think they get in. Um, I don't. I don't think they play another top twenty-five opponent the rest of the year unless one comes about in the ACC championship game. So you, you're telling me that you know Clemson can you know maybe win out and beat a bunch of unranked teams, maybe one along the way. But to me, that their only chance of getting in is if Georgia is the number one, number two team and runs the table on everybody. I think that's the only 
way that Clemson can get in is that Georgia overpowers everybody and Clemson can point back and say, Oh, Georgia, we, we only lost them by, you know, 10 to three, you know, we, we can play with anybody. Yeah. But I, I think that's Clemson's only, you know, only out, but I, I'm not saying Clemson is going to lose again this year, but if their offensive line doesn't get it together, they could be in for a rough season. I mean, you allowed you got to give her to the Georgia defense, but you allowed Georgia to sack DJ Uangalale seven times. Mm-hmm. Seven. You're not going to be able. You're never going to be able to score more or less. Get a first down if you keep taking you know five, six, seven, ten yard sacks. You know once a possession. I mean it's it's pitiful. It's really it's not a winning formula. And you know going back to Hampton, you're talking about. Clemson's receivers, like this Clemson team lacks weapons in a big way. I, I think that, you know, it, you could, you know, blame it on, you know, DJ a little bit, but th- their only guy that had, you know, really any, any one of a game was, you know, Joseph Nada, you know, a receiver. Like about him. A, yeah, Liked he, him. Yeah. He had 110 yards, but besides that, the, the running game was, was putrid. I mean, L, you know, LJ Dixon, got you know 10 yards or something like something awful like that it was it was really poor by Clemson's effort in, mm-hmm. in running the football their offense was in bad bad shape but you know th- that defense uh, they can keep them in game so maybe if they can keep it close maybe Clemson will figure out just enough to to let them get over the top on some of these mm-hmm. games yeah and I'm glad you brought up the running game because not only I think they ru- what did they rush for like two yards or something like that, yeah. Um, yeah but you got to take some of that. You got to take a little bit sacks. of that out. But yeah, because yeah. You know, DJ lost so much yards against, and that, that's very true. But not only if even if you add like take away the sack yardage, they still probably rush for maybe twenty to thirty. But uh, on top, of, probably yeah, twenty yeah. But on top of that. They didn't stay committed to the running game. And I get you don't want to pound into a brick wall all the time. But even Kirby at halftime said they're not committed to running the ball. So pretty much it was like straight drop back half the time. And it'd be three passes, three and out. And you can't, against a team like Georgia, you got to be a little more balanced, a little bit, you know, less predictable. And I think they got away from that. And here, I want to read the rest of the schedule. Um, rest of Clemson's schedule. I mean, this is a joke. South Carolina State, they host them, then host Georgia Tech, travel to NC State, host Boston College, go to Syracuse, uh, go to Pitt, host Florida State, go to Louisville, who their quarterback can't complete a forward pass, host <laughs> UConn, whose who's, um, coach just resigned, Host Wake Forest and then go to South Carolina. There isn't a ranked team on that schedule. I mean, mm. it's just putrid. Probably won't be, honestly. No, the only team that I think is decent just from what I because I think Notre Dame is a solid team. Florida State I was one of the more impressive performances of the weekend and one of the more fun games of the weekend just with them being down 18. I was screaming for three quarters for them to put McKenzie Milton in because Jordan Travis couldn't throw a forward pass either. They put him in. Things got rolling. They came up short, but I still like the fight and resolve that team showed. But other than them, they ain't got anybody. And I just – 
Um, I don't think they're going to get the – they shouldn't get the benefit of the doubt this year with that type of schedule. And even, like, say, for instance, Cincinnati gets to the end of the year and they beat uh, they beat Notre Dame and um, they go undefeated, they should get in over Clemson, in my opinion. Um, and, you know, we can – I don't want to get into a whole playoff talk right now. I just think Clemson's in big trouble and that game um, – spell doom for them. And the thing is, you could say some of the same issues they had, Georgia has too, because their offense didn't perform well either with the pick six being the difference. But the difference is Georgia will get some of those players back that they were missing. Clemson was pretty much healthy. But let's transition away from that. I think we did a good job of recapping that, you know, the first weekend of college football um, but real quick, guys, I want to get your your player of the week. So, Shep, I'm going to start with you. Who's your player of the week? Um, it can be around the country or it can be um, in the SEC. So I'm going to say my uh, little beacon of hope would uh, probably have to be Case Sean Boutte. Um, yeah, I like him. He's an LSU, LSU, 148 yards, three touchdowns. I mean, honestly, the only glimmer of sliver of hope LSU probably has. Um, so I, I wanted to give LSU a little love this week, seeing as they're probably not going to get much the rest of the year. Grant, who was your breakout player this week? Hampton, you mentioned this guy you know, a, a second ago, but I mean, if I was going to pick a guy, this isn't my guy, but Mackenzie Milton, you know, just what a comeback story. I mean, like that Absolutely. guy uh, almost loses his leg. You know, the chances of him ever walking again, very slim. And he comes back and plays football and actually does it somewhat successfully at Florida State. My hat's off to him. Lots of credit to him. And admirable story. But my player of the week is uh, from a team we talked about a little bit. And it's a receiver from Kentucky that didn't have to play quarterback to put up stats. And it is my guy, Josh Ali, had five receptions for 136 yards, um, one touchdown and averaged uh, a little over 27 yards a catch, which is which is you know really, really good. It was just nice to see that Kentucky had wide receivers that could make plays down the field. They didn't have to play quarterback to put up stats. So that's my guy of the week, Josh Ali, wide receiver from Kentucky. Hampton, who's your player of the week? For my guy, we're going to have to go down the plains of Auburn I'm going to pick Bo Nix. Oh, no, I'm not, because you beat a team that hadn't won a game in two years. You don't get player of the week for doing that. That's just mean-spirited. I know, but I'm sick at – hold on. Let me go on a rant real quick. Hey, I'm listening. We're canceling Hampton. (laughs) I am sick and tired of hearing about how Auburn and Bo – Auburn is now a national championship contender, and Bo Nix is a Heisman contender because they beat Akron, who's won one game in two years. Yes, they look better. I get that. And they're, it's fine to take little positives, but to extrapolate that performance and say, well, now I thought we were going to win only seven games. Now we're winning nine to ten. That is lunacy. And I'm sorry, Auburn fans, but if you go on the road and you beat Penn State or you put up a good fight, then my perception will change of you. But as of right now, good first win, but you ain't getting my credit. Graham, go ahead before I get my actual player of the week. Yeah, Hampton, I want to make sure that you corrected the record. Akron has won one football game in the past uh, three years, and, and they beat a team that, you know, 
played another SEC team this week, which is Bowling Green. So you got to give Akron at least a little bit of respect <laughs> that they at least beat one team. Okay, I did. I did correct myself in my other okay. rebuttal that they won one game in two they, years. Hey, that's okay. right, Hampton. Before you go to go to your you know, you know your player of the week, who wins in a competition between Vanderbilt and Akron in football? Ready, go. Ooh, um, <laughs> Vandy wins six three. <laughs> okay, go oh, ahead. Man. Um, I, my guy's Will Levis. I know you went with a guy from Kentucky, um, but Will Levis had um three hundred sixty-seven yards through the air, four tutties, and he completed sixty-nine percent of his passes. Um, I mean, it was the best Kentucky quarterback performance since two thousand seven, and I get it was ULM, but that's still. Um, it's just a drastic difference from what we've seen from Kentucky in the past few years. So Will Levis is my guy, and I hope he continues to progress and Kentucky can really buy for that um, SEC East title. Um, guys, you know, got our players of the week now. Let's pick week two games. And unfortunately, guys, for listeners out there, the week two slate is not too great. Um, now, week three, we got some real gems that we can really pick. Um, but we're going to kind of go rapid fire because, like I said, there isn't a whole lot to choose from. Um, I think we will start with Washington and Michigan. Graham, uh, who you got in this one, man? I ain't got a good feel for it. What about you? I- I'm taking Michigan. I believe they're playing in the big house, if I'm they right. Are at night. At, at night. night. I got to go with Michigan. Not, not that they look spectacular, but Washington lost to Montana last week. Yeah, embarrassing. Yeah, absolutely embarrassing. Give me Michigan. Chet, what about you, man? Yeah, I'm in a 100% agreement. I don't even think I should say anything else. I agree. I got Michigan. I uh, hate they lost Ronnie Bell, their number one receiver, uh, but I think they got too much talent for Washington. So give me Michigan in that one. Um, we've got, let's see, we'll do Stanford USC. Who do you got in this one, guys? Shep, you go first since Graham got the other one. Yeah, I think I'm going to pick USC. Um, I think they're somewhat turning it around. Um, maybe so, maybe not. Uh, it's early on in the year. Um, so they're kind of at that point where they kind of got it going on, but they kind of might not. So I'm going USC. Um, and I think it, think it, uh, let's say a three touchdown game. Graham, what's your thoughts here? Yeah, I'm going with USC too. I really like, you know, Keaton Slovis. I, I think that he brings just a, yeah. a, a professional type of quarterback to the, you know, the, you know, USC Trojan team. Clay Helton sort of turned things around the past couple of years. I like the trajectory that USC's going. And Stanford just kind of had a, a pretty bad game this past <laughs> week against Kansas State. It really struggled uh, against them. I'm going USC. Um, I, I think that they'll put up enough offense with, you know, uh, Graham Harrell's OC to uh, really just, you know, outscore Stanford if it's even a game. Hampton, who you got? Fight on. Go Trojans. They're going to win this one. And they're going to win it pretty convincingly. So um, three, we're we're um, all in one accord so far. Let's see if this next game uh, gets us a little bit divided. Missouri is going to be traveling to Lexington, Kentucky, take on the mighty Wildcats. Graham, who's going to win this one, man? Hmm, tough. I, I got to stick with Kentucky. I, I I think that with a passing game, that really just 
makes Kentucky's offense dynamic. Their defense will play, you know, fairly anybody close. And, you know, last week, Missouri just had to eke out a win against Central Michigan yeah. without their head coach. You know, Jim, uh, was it McElwain? Uh, was that with like appendicitis or something like oh. that? So Central Michigan without a head coach. He wasn't wrestling a shark. Yeah, he wasn't wrestling a shark. <laughs> so I, maybe Missouri turns it back around, but I'm going to go uh, Kentucky by like two touchdowns. Shep, who you got? Oh, man. I think I'm going to take Missouri by three. Um, I know Kentucky oh. had their had their offense look like it was clicking on all cylinders, something that really hasn't happened at Kentucky. Wow. But I like Missouri here. Their run game was really good. Um, I mean, the running back rush for 10 yards. Um, so you got to be doing something right there. So I think Eli Drinkwitz um, has Missouri um, moving in the right direction. I like them by three over Kentucky. Hampton, how bad do you think Kentucky going to win? How bad do I think they're going to win? I think they're going to win by 10. Uh, I like, you know, I mean, Graham and I, you might as well – ship us some shirts from Lexington because uh, we're driving that bandwagon, man. Um, big blue, I'm high, baby. Big blue. Um, I'm high on Kentucky. I think I think this matchup and this win would kind of signify that Kentucky is ascending, um, especially if Levis follows up week one with another solid outing. Um, I like Missouri. I like Drinkwitz. I like their quarterback, Connor Bazelak, uh, but I think Kentucky's going to be too much for them. So give me them by 10. And our final game wait, okay, we got two more games, and then um, we'll get out of here. Um, Texas and Arkansas are playing um, this weekend, which um, I think actually has the potential to be a pretty good game. Graham, who do you got in this one, man? We're talking about another team that barely eked out a win. Arkansas had to you know, almost come back in the fourth quarter to, to beat Rice. They were down at half. I'm going with Texas. I think Sark has enough offensive scheme to uh, to get through uh, the Hogs in Fayetteville. Shep, who you got? Yeah, I'm with you. I like Texas. I think Sark, um, within the next few years, is going to have them back to a a top five, top ten powerhouse school. Really? Um, re- oh. I really think so, man. I think Sark is a good coach. I think he's he's learned from his past mistakes at different stops. And honestly, when you get to spend a lot of time with Nick Saban, you just that, that culture rubs off on you. So I think that'll rub off on him at Texas. Um, so I'm going Texas. I like them pretty big here. I mean, Arkansas struggled with Rice. I mean, you're, you almost lost to a, a food item. I mean, let's be honest. Hampton, <laughs> I mean, Hampton, what do you think? Shep, that's the take of the week right there. That That's the take they of the week. They almost lost to a food. Dude, they did. Like, how are you going to lose to rice? Like, we're talking about, like, a grain of rice here, and you're getting beat. You're a Razorback. Come on. Wow. I think I agree with y'all. Uh, hook them horns by at least 17 to 21. Arkansas didn't look good in um, against Rice, but maybe they were looking ahead a little bit of this game. You know, this is a kind of a big rivalry. There's a little bit of history between the two schools. Maybe they get up and ready to play um, for this one, but I still like um, Texas with Hudson Card and B. John Robinson to lead the way to victory. And now for the, the marquee matchup of the week, game day, is heading to Ames, Iowa 
for the Battle of Iowa and Iowa State. You got Cyclones versus the Hawkeyes. This one could kind of go any either way. Vegas has Iowa State favored by four and a half. Shep, what's your feel on this one, man? Man, I really like Iowa here. Um, they I don't look know good what week it is. one, man. They, they did look, really look good. good. They're just a team that smashes you in the mouth. They get down on defense, and they just go straight into it. Like, they're, they're there. They know what they're there for. They're usually a smart team. They play the game the right way. I'm going Iowa, um, and I'm going to say Iowa by a touchdown. Graham, what's your thoughts here? This is a tough game to pick. I, I like Matt Campbell, the head coach of Iowa State. Yeah, His team's just – they always overperform what you expect. And they're, you know, college game day is coming to aim. So I, th- I think Iowa State's going to be ready, but man, you can't, you know, ignore how Iowa played last week. They completely shut down Indiana, who I, I was kind of high on. I liked the Indiana and, and their coaching staff and, and players. Yeah. But, but man, I, I just don't think I can go against Matt Campbell and Iowa State. I think we go with Cyclones at home by three. A late field goal is what's going to separate us in this one. Hampton, who you going with? Iowa, Iowa State. I mean, five years ago, did you think this would be a good matchup for football wise? I definitely wouldn't have. I'm with I'm with you, Graham. Um, this is a really good matchup and can really dictate. You know, it doesn't um, it doesn't affect the conference, you know, standing or anything. But for pride and pageantry. Rivalries are what make college football so unique and so different. And I think in this one, I've kind of been going back and forth in my head. But you know what? Shout out to my guy who came on the pod, Josh Pate, who has been driving that Iowa State bandwagon bus. And for him to stop calling me a coastal elite, because I don't believe in Iowa State as much as he does, I'm going to pick Iowa State, and I think they're going to win by seven. I think Brees Hall – is it Brees or Bryce Hall? It's I think it's Brees. Brees. Yeah, yeah. Brees. Brees Hall going to have a big game. Brock Purdy, I think he's going to hit some chunk plays in the air, and I think overall them playing at home is going to make the difference. I've got Iowa State, and I'm a complete idiot because I missed the biggest game of the weekend, <laughs> and I'm glad that Shep um, texted me and let me know. So – Ohio State and Oregon, that's the biggest game of the weekend. <laughs> um, I cannot believe – I knew I was missing one, but thank you, <laughs> Shep, for letting me know that. Um, so, since you let me know that, who do you think is going to win this one? I think both teams didn't look great in week one. Uh, Oregon barely eked out a win against Fresno. Kayvon Thibodeau's banged up, may not play. Ohio State didn't look very impressive against Minnesota. So what do you, what, what's your gauge on this one? I think uh, I'm going to Ohio State here. What's um, the pedigree there? I think they're, um, that Ryan Day is probably going to be a little more paired than uh, Mario Ball. Um, and I think really it just boils down to me. I think uh, Chris Olave had a really good game. He's a really good, solid player. And yep. I think he's just going to keep improving. Um, and honestly, he's going to be one of those guys that you just throw it up to and you know they're going to be able to go get it. And for me, 
I think that's going to be the game changer. I I think C.J. Stroud, you know, he struggled, um, but I think he's got um, he's got a lot to learn, obviously. But I think Ryan Day has been a very good quarterbacks coach, um, and I think he'll have Ohio State ready to go and lead Oregon out to the win. Now, Graham, what do you think? Does a Pac-12 pick up a game here against the the Big Ten? I, I don't think so, Shep. I, I think your your take at the beginning was spot on. You know, uh, Ryan Day, Ohio State. Uh, I, I expect to play better this week. I expect to, him to have C.J. Stroud ready to go. And it's it's tough to play in the horseshoe, especially uh, this is going to be on the big new kickoff on Fox. So that's like a nine o'clock game for Oregon. That that's an early morning if, when you consider you know getting up early for meetings and and walkthroughs uh, before you even you know get ready to play, you know, strap it up and play. So I'm giving the edge to Ohio State. I think they probably win by 14 to 17 points. Um, so not exactly a close game, but I, I got Ohio State. I, I think that um, C.J. Stroud will play better. And, Shep, like you said, Chris Olave, he, he's just a playmaker. He's he's just one of those players in college football this year that you just can't really, you know, scheme against. You know, that you can, you know, play any type of defense you want to, but unless you're committing 11 guys to stop uh, Chris Olave, then he's going to make plays. So I'm going to Ohio State um, at least decently large in in this one. Hampton, who you got for the big noon kickoff? Number three, Ohio State at home against the Oregon Ducks. Well, before I make my pick, let me just say – it is an absolute travesty that this game is being played at 11 o'clock and not prime time. I mean, it's a match. It's a top 10, top 15 matchup, and we're playing at noon. You kidding me? What in the world are we doing, college football? Uh, but I, I mean, I wish I could, you know, add some intrigue and pick Oregon, but I, I just can't. Um, if they would have looked a little more impressive in Week One, I might have been tempted to do so. But I think Ohio State is more talented. I think they'll put it together. C.J. Stroud will bounce back, like you said, Graham. And I think they win this one going away uh, by about se- from anywhere from 17 to 21 points. I just think they're more they're more talented. And I think the loss to Kayvon Thibodeau, if he does indeed not play for the Ducks, is a huge one and one that they can't easily overcome. So. Give me the ducks on that one. And before I sign off, Shep, are we good? Did I get all of them now? All the games now? Yes, absolutely. Okay. You're telling me we're not going to pick Auburn playing Alabama State? Well, I don't know, man. If they if they put up another good performance, they're going to be riding high again, um, yeah, you know, coming up for that top five spot. That's just wrong, man. That's just wrong. We all know that Auburn's band is going to get outblowed by Alabama State. <laughs> that that is not up for debate and not up uh for yeah, competition i'm i'm with you on that. i am with you on that one but uh guys before we get out of here anything else we want to talk about are we good to wrap up and you know sign off until next week hey team of the week it's gonna really put on a big performance i got nc state going to starkville and winning big against mike yeah Lucas. i agree uh, Mike Leach's Bulldogs. That's just one to keep on the radar. Um, I, I don't know the betting line, but I would probably take the over. Go ahead. You can yeah. wrap me up. Send me home, baby boy. Let's do it, Hampton. Don't ever say that again. <laughs> <You're kicked off. laughs> 
Oh, dear. And with that, we are done for the night. Thank you so much for listening to our college football week one recap show. Uh, we appreciate you listening each and every week. And uh, we trust, truly enjoy getting together, talking college football, breaking it down, and are so happy to have it back. Be sure to follow us wherever you get your podcasts. We're on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, um, pretty much anywhere you can think of. We are we are there ready for you to listen to us and uh, find tapes that you won't hear anywhere else. I truly believe that. Be sure to follow us on so- yeah, words. Be sure to follow us on social media, on Twitter and Instagram at the Pigskin Cafe, where you can get information about, you know, we're going to be doing, I think we're going to start doing some polls on Instagram. I need to remember to do that. Um, same thing with Twitter. Um, links for our Pick'em that you can still join. Um, that's about to get really ramped up with NFL coming back into our lives. And uh, be sure to follow our partner, Play Action Pools, and Graham um, Kerzer, a part of Graham's um, Vintage Thrift Shopping. Uh, be sure to support them and all the hard work they're doing. And, you know, we with that, I guess we'll sign off. We hope you have a great week. Enjoy another week of college football and the NFL returning. And we'll be back here next week talking some more college ball. But until then, have a good week.